This is the Pro Audio Suite Podcast. Quick Bites. Welcome to another Pro Audio Suite. This week we're following on from last week's episode where Robbo and I talked about what you should leave into a session. This week we're talking about how to edit your session. And we're joined, of course, from, well, in fact, this week from Colorado is Robert. What are you doing in Colorado? Sliding down mountains. By accident or on purpose? Oh, on purpose, of course. Trying to keep my youth. Yeah, yeah. I tried that. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a week in hospital. Yeah. I did that too. <laughs> yeah. Now we're going to talk about how to edit. And this is um, something that I've been editing dialogue for decades from China Graph and Razor Blades to uh, now, you know, in the box. But there are tips and tricks. In fact, some of the tricks after all these years, you still learn new ones. So let's start with anyone who's listening to this who does edit dialogue. Who's got a tip to get us rolling? You always edit on the consonants. So the first obvious place is like P's and T's, those pluses or those like hard switches. But also, you know, C's and S's are like the only thing with an S is you have to make sure that you don't make someone sound like they're doing too long of an S. I must admit, I use the the end of an S. Like if there's a word ending in S, Mm -hmm. then I'll grab the, I'll take the S off and then I'll replace it with the S from another take. I'll slice right in the middle of an S. Yeah. Use that as a, um, or like S's, F's, um, like all those consonants. The problem is vowels that they have that tonality to them. And if someone isn't in the right pitch, like usually the, the talent who are singers and who are a little bit more pitch aware and, and you give them something to read from, sometimes they can get there. But if you add it across a vowel, there's a good chance you're going to get a click or a pop or some sort of obvious shift in the, in the pitch. It's tough editing on vowels or other vowel like things like M's and N's. Hmm. I always find the end of a breath is a good spot. Sometimes too, if you're, yeah. if you're cutting to the same word. So if you're cutting well, a, a pickup or something, the end of the breath is a good spot. I like editing between words personally. Are you really? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Pretty easy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I actually, well, when I, because I do the editing of this show. So by the time this goes to air, there's been a bit of a haircut and I will try and edit in the middle of a word. I'll just find, you know, a syllable or something that I can jump into. Hmm. So I can just tighten up, especially when people keep repeating themselves. Like repeating themselves like that? Yeah, when they <laughs> repeat, you know, when they uh, repeat yeah. stuff, repeating, you know, yeah. things. Of course. And stuff. Yeah, but uh, that's what uh, I'll can do. Can you say that again? <laughs> yes. You're repeating <laughs> stuff and that. You say that again? You say that again? You say that again? At least I've got a good edit point now. Uh, the other thing we talked about last week was uh, the little click that you get. Now, in the analog days, when you used the splicing block, you would always use the the slanty one, shall we call it, for want of a better term, when you were actually using the razor blade as opposed to the straight up and down one, because you would have less of the edit moving across the playhead, which would stop it from clicking. Uh, Interesting conversation Andrew and I had last week, Robert, about clicking when you're cutting a digital track, you still get that. And I was talking about how my workflow is once I've finished my dialogue edit in Pro Tools, I highlight all the dialogue. Uh, and hit, shades on it. Yeah, just hit the F button and I've got mm-hmm. it set up to automatically set up, uh, uh, I think it's a 13-frame fade in and out. Oh, I, I do so three milliseconds. Do you? Okay. Well, there you go. So interesting like, though. Yeah. But uh, Andrew's question um, to me was what causes the click? And to be honest with you, digitally... 
I couldn't really answer that because there's nothing mechanically moving across a, uh, a head. Do you have an answer to that one? Sure. So, the well, first of all, the, the slant edit on the splicing block is really the same as a crossfade for the, you know, the digital audio workstation. But, but usually clicks come from, uh, at least I've found often the clicks come from some sort of low-frequency thing. So, for instance, a mic without a high-pass filter. And now there's something way down there that you don't hear. And then it clicks on the edit. And usually a great place you can find that. I don't know. Robbo, do you scrub a lot when you edit or are you pretty much I visual? use Yeah, I scrub all the time. Yep. So do you notice that when you go in and out of scrub, if someone doesn't have a high-pass filter, you get a big click when you enter scrub? Yes. Or, right, so that's basically a low-frequency junk. Okay, being, there you like, go. You know, you're just crashing into something. I think that's probably what that click yeah. is. I'm trying to think of another one. The other place I've seen edits and clicks are um, back in the day when we had a CRT TV in our booth for people to read along with uh, music and the CRT would kick out like 14 K and then that constant frequency. And then you're editing between it, but you get a break in that 14 K or that really high frequency tone that, that you don't normally hear. Cause we're all deaf at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> But but that that can also cause a click, you know. What I found interesting with that click when I mentioned it to to Robbo yesterday uh, was that it depended on what mic I was using. If I was using like a large diaphragm, say a, a tube mic, I will get that click. But if I'm using something that's obviously very quiet, um, I don't get the click, which is weird. I I think it's low frequency noise. That's what I think it is. But yeah. um, it's hard to know what else it would be. It could be, like I said, high frequency noise, but something consistent that's getting not edited evenly, you know, like a waveform being broken, essentially. Mm. It's a head scratcher because it used to drive me insane when I was doing like a long form read and then I was doing the edit. I'd end up with a click. Talking about breaths then, and considering we're talking about editing, to de-breath or not to de-breath, the big question. Unless you're really accurate, don't do it. But also it depends on what you're recording. If you're doing announcer copy that's more mechanical and voice of God, you don't need to have a breath. But if it's something that's a little bit more emotional or storytelling and organic, and the breath becomes part of the delivery a little bit. I think we. I think you and I are on par there. I think you're saying the same thing as the way I work. If it's if it's cold voice and sort of heart to heart copy wise. I guess, I guess the, my answer to that is if it feels right to leave it in, then I leave it in. If it's a radio spot and it's someone talking to me about something emotional in an emotional way and you want it to sound completely human, then I will leave the breaths in. If they're loud and, and do sort of get in your headspace a bit, I'll just use a gate to sort of duck them a little bit as opposed to take them out completely. But then if it's a screaming, you know, rip and read, you know. There's no time to breathe in the first place. That's, well, that's yeah. right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah exactly. so, so I'll whip them out. But, yeah, I, I, for me, it depends on the spot. They can be too loud, but here's a funny thing about press. Um, the Macintosh, at least I know this one for sure, you can type stuff into text edit, and then you can have the Mac read it out to you. I don't know if you're familiar with that. You can just yep. say they put breaths in there. Yeah, right. They so do. it sounds they human. They really do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've never played with that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. There you go. But, yeah. but, but the one thing I would say is that if you are going to edit the breaths out, uh, be accurate about it. Um, yes. Nothing's more annoying than a half-sliced breath. Yeah. To, it just yep. makes the edit really obvious. 
or too or too tight where there's been a breath and it's been cut together too tightly and it just jumps mm-hmm. like a jump or the double almost. breath or the double breath there's another good one yes when i'm editing this show that's what i look for is i come on the back of a breath or mm. um if i if the breath is really tight and i'm trying to jump between like if someone fluffs something and i grab the next take of that line and then i'm trying to match it up then I will leave the gap where the breath was, but then do a fade so or or add some room noise so the breath is gone. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's one that, since we're on the subject of editing, to throw back to Robert that you and I talked about last week. Let's get Robert's view on this one. I, I was saying last week, Robert, that I prefer, if someone's sending me voiceovers and, and I'm not directing, I would prefer them to send me the whole session, nothing chopped out, even if it's too long, too short, whatever, or you fluffed, fluffed up, whatever, just send me the whole lot because then it gives me some options. Do you work like that? How do you, how do you prefer your sessions to turn up? Um, when they're unsupervised and I'm just getting something that I, I don't know what I'm going to get. Yep. Um, I, I rather cut everything out, although it'd be nice to get notes with times of where things that I need are, depending on how long it is. Yep. Um, but sometimes you never know. Like You just need to make a word plural or you need to change mm. something and some word in the banter before the session even starts is actually mm. useful. That's right. You know, How many times you do know. you go back to, you know, the, the pre, the pre record chat before you've started putting the spot down and pinch a word or even part of yeah. a word to, to make something else in the actual session. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, especially when something is, uh, you know, like plural, um, yep. mm-hmm. and uh, you read it as singular and then it, you do in the cut and it's like, Oh, Great. So I forgot the S. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times that's happened. Like yeah. gra- grab an S or the end of a word from mm-hmm. something or or they change the copy. And so yes. most of the session is the new copy and you only had two takes of the old copy. <laughs> but that's what you need. That's right. Because they went back to it. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Always the way. So now did you ever work in tape using cutting tape, Robert? I did, but I never really got into heavy voice editing and tape. I, I did some music editing because um, I did more music in my earlier years of engineering. But I, I probably, like, professionally, as far as, like, uh, you know, not in school, but actually getting paid to do it, maybe two years of tape. I mean, it was, like, the very end of the 90s, and then by that time, all the workstations took over. So um, not a lot of tape editing. Because we were talking last week about the difference between working in the box and working, you know, cutting tape. And the thing about cutting tape was that you didn't have the luxury of being able to do the menu side that we do now. You you really had to be um, either get the stuff down properly in the first place, which was the obvious thing, uh, but also learn your skills of how you're going to cut the thing and, and not be too sort of bogged down in the menu side, cutting out every little pop or squeak or click. Well, here's one of the things I noticed about tape sessions is that with tape sessions, it would take longer to edit than to re-record it. But with the computer, often it's like, yeah, I'll just edit it. Like, don't even say it. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't yeah. have time for you to say it again. I, I know I can make that edit happen, and let's move on. I don't know if that contributes to the discussion, but... yeah. And I think the other interesting one, in if you're going to have the analog conversation from a voiceover point of view, is from my observations, the art of the drop edit uh, from the voiceover side of things, like the voiceover being in the booth and being able to perform a drop edit, 
is actually being lost because of the digital age. There's so many times that I've been recording a voice session with, and I, and I don't want to target them specifically, but it, it, I guess it's, it's just because of the fact that they haven't grown up having to do it. It's the younger voiceover artists who go, oh, let's just drop in there. Let's keep that and drop that in. Oh, oh a punch in? Yeah, or punch in, yeah, drop in, yeah, punch, yeah. drop edit, punch edit. Um, and, and they can't do it. They, they're either too tight on it or, or they don't really get what they're meant to be doing at all and there's this massive pause before they, they get in there. That, that, but the actual art of a drop or a punch edit is starting to be lost on them. I, I agree it's lost, but it's easily caught back because like, all you really have to do is get the talent to read along or sing along with themselves. Mm. And, and if they get in the same flow, you know, you can punch in and, yeah. and it's going to work usually. Yeah. But the, the problem is that usually a lot of, um, you know, newer talent, they, they just don't know. So you say, Hey, we're going to roll back and let's punch in here. And they're not reading along with themselves. So it sounds completely cut in. Yes. And if they just read along with themselves, it's, it's like butter. Yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes it is. I, I must admit, sometimes people get louder or quieter, depending mm-hmm. on, you know. But there's also that thing about being of a certain age where we had to sort of drop, drop in, drop in a word, drop in a line, whatever it was. I find that kind of easy for me because probably I've been doing it for so long. Well, I was going to say the one thing that's nice about a, a talent that's used to that is that usually it brings more consistency to the session because they usually stay in the same pitch range. Um, you know, like the delivery of the words and where they are, if they're, if they're up here, if they're down here. And, and so if it's all cold takes, just, you know, wild records, some talent are, are not aware of where they are. And so then they say, okay, read it again. They're like, okay, I'll read it again. All right, read it again. And, okay, I'll read it again. It's like, <laughs> there's no way those yep. two things are going to match up. Yep. The other thing that occurs to me is the, uh, the, the days from an engineer's point of view uh, is the days of that skill of being able to punch the record button just at the right moment, mm-hmm. <laughs> not too early, not too late, is also one that is probably dying as well in these days of automated pre-roll and drop-in. For sure. I, 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 don't, I don't know if you've had this experience on tape where you keep on doing a take and you punch in mm. and you punch in and you punch in. And so every time you don't want to be late on the punch because then you're going to get two punches. So you keep on every, every new punch is like, a little bit earlier. A nanosecond, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A nanosecond yeah. earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, skills, I guess, that, you know, I one day will probably be long forgotten, but... Um, well, I reckon, I, I don't, I think now it's probably more important to be consistent with uh, your delivery than probably ever before. Yeah. Um, especially with the new mediums, like if you're doing audio books, you've got to stay in character. If you're mm. doing... You know, animation, mm-hmm. games, and all that kind of stuff. You, you, you've got to be, um, you've got to be in the right headspace to keep that character. Yeah, it's and it's, it's the character, but also I, I, I'd say my biggest frustration is a talent that's not aware of their pitch. Yeah, yes, and, and that that yeah. is so true for voice that it's almost like, like some of the best talent I've recorded are singers, and they're completely aware of where they are in the delivery, not just as far as timing and things like that, but just where they are pitch wise. And, and you play them something from like four months ago and you say, match up to this, and they're right there. They, they hear it once and they, they're, you know. And that's where if you're rolling along with a punch-in, you know, before the punch-in, and if you let the talent hear themselves through the headphones as well as hearing the previous take, then they can just lock it in so that by the time you hit that punch, it's, they're, right, they're right where they were. 
One, one, one more thing where this pitch thing comes up, I don't know if, you, Rob, if you've ever had to do this, where they record the whole script and then they change the script and now the talent's long gone and they're too cheap to pay the talent to come back. <laughs> so now, now, now you've got to change words. Like, um, uh-huh. I, don't, I don't know, like they make some dumb mistake, like in the 19th century, and they really meant the 18th century or they get their whatever, they get something wrong. And so now you're going around the office looking for somebody who you think sounds like that talent. Yes. <laughs> and, and you get them to say the same, what, what you need them to say. And the biggest thing is getting that person to lock into the pitch of the, of the previous talent. And if you do that, you can futz around with EQ and maybe even some of the formant pitch shifters to move the formants around, not necessarily the pitch. And that is the biggest thing with making those like stealth edits work is, is first and foremost nailing the pitch. Yep. Well, here's one for you. If you're a home talent, home studio talent, and you've recorded something and then you're a month later or whatever, you're asked to pick up a, a line or a couple of words or something, what's a tip you would give them? Listen to what you've already done last time rather than just guessing would be the first one. Yep. And read because- along with it. Yeah, yeah. read along with it. Yeah, would be. But if you're one. not in a position where you can read along with it, like if you can't do playback and then drop in, like we're talking. Of course you can. You can even play it out over speakers and read along. That's with what it. I was going to say. I would stand in the control room if you have a control room, or listen in your headphones to what you did, read along with it, turn it off, hit record, and do it. But don't worry about it. A computer is going to take care of all of this, and soon you just yeah. have to type what you want them to say. And well, don't. we're not that far off, are we? I mean, so how often now do you hear um, like demos for uh, plugins or um, just uh, corporate videos on, on YouTube where people have just used like a inverted commas Siri voice and basically typed it in and, and just used that. So All often. the time. Yeah. It's, it's happening so a lot. Mm, that's scary. Yes, indeed. Opens yeah. a whole another bag of worms for another show. Indeed. And on that note, let's plug her off. <laughs> I missed the turkey. <laughs> this show was mixed by Voodoo Sound. Edit by Andrew Peters. Using Source Connect Now and Rode Microphones. With technical support from George the Tech Whittle. Don't forget to subscribe and like us. You look for